Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Half past eight. By the way, I sounded really like nasally stopped up in those promos. Do I always sound that nasally stopped up? I'm not stopped up. Not usually. But the sun wasn't out. Now now it is, and you're you've gone wild. I'm telling you. It's a huge difference for me. Like I I mean I love Indiana. I mean, you had an out of body experience that I witnessed when you saw the sun. It was I haven't seen it, was it like pretty wild. I was I'm like Andy Dufresne. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Got out of solitary. In nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, I like Andy Dufresne was a friend of mine. I was like, holy cow, man. Um yesterday we were doing the show, as a matter of fact, eight forty five, so almost exactly twenty four hours ago, when Bob Kravitz sent a tweet that said, Kravitz, Ballard hasn't earned a seventh season with the Colts, but he's getting it. Probably. And our friend Taylor Tannebaum, a friend of the program, who was with WTHR for the last few seasons and is now the host of ACCPM on the ACC Network, responded to that by saying, fractured relationships with so many key players, how can he possibly be kept? And uh, Taylor and I, at least from my standpoint, Taylor and I are friends, so I reached out to her and said, hey, you know what, do you want to come on the show just to hang out anyway? And uh, and then I had to pay her, and she said, sure. And so she joins us now on the Payless Liquors hotline. First off, Taylor, good to talk to you. How are you? Hey, guys. I miss you terribly, first and foremost. Good morning. Hi, Indianapolis. Um, I also never thought that when I responded to Bob's tweet, it would just, you know, cause such a stir. But here I am. On a, is it Wednesday? This is a weird week of the year that nobody knows what day it is. It is Wednesday, Wednesday right? Yes. No, you are correct. But good morning. And um, um, I would consider us friends too, Jake. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. By the way, I don't know if you heard uh, the excitement before we get to it, Taylor, since you've left Indianapolis. Uh, yesterday, some lady went driving down the canal. I saw that. Yeah. She's, um, o- she's okay, the, I think. The video's wild. <laughs> it is a little. She said her GPS led her there, and I thought, well, that that actually somewhat makes sense because it was so frozen over. Maybe if you weren't from here, you wouldn't realize that you were not on a road. But then I realized that you had to drive down like a 30 foot Hill to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not easy access. Not to mention your tires should be sliding on ice. So I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, pretty good traction really. It was fairly impressive. I think I read she was not all there. So that makes a little more sense. Alcohol might've been a factor. Uh, Okay. Taylor, Speaking of gaining traction, you know, your tweet did a little of that. And and I want to make sure that people understand during your time, you were at WTHR for how long exactly? Um, Four years. Okay. So during that time, you developed, you know, you were, I thought, very, um, you had very professional and very good contacts and relationships within the organization, not just with players, but I think... Um, your professionalism was respected that allowed you to probably get some information and access. So that's why I took your tweet, not to like blow it up more than it was, but I <laughs> took it as very credible. And so I wanted to give you the opportunity to expand on it. Well, I appreciate that. I know Kevin Bowen, but with that being said, um, you know, I've had conversations with people and it's not just been this week or this month. It's been a little bit over time. And I would say since that loss, last year the Raiders and Jacksonville 
things have kind of started to deteriorate, and I don't think that's news to anybody uh, who who is following the Colts or is a fan of the Colts or, you know, is is media covering the Colts. Uh, That's just the fact of the matter. So when I said that, I've been been speaking to people that – the moral of the story is this. The way the season ended last year, the the four quarterbacks in four multiple years – uh, the, the revolving door there, there's frustration. There's real, real frustration. Um, I wouldn't say the locker room's broken because I think the guys still love each other. I just think that I'm not so sure that things can be done to salvage certain relationships in that locker room with the people up above. Um, I didn't think this was anything people didn't already know, but I would say, you know, there's a lack of trust. Uh, you know, we all have bosses sometimes that we work for that, it gets to a point where there's, it boils over and it's frustration and you just don't necessarily get along with that person anymore or believe everything that's coming out of their mouth or it's just time for a breakup. And that's why I said that is because there are some key players in that locker room, let me tread lightly, who, who are frustrated, uh, who don't necessarily trust what's going on in there and would maybe rather say, I got to go. Um, and that's why I, I find it – I, I well, let me preface this by saying I like Chris and Kristen Ballard. I think what they've done in the community is great. I, I would never want to see anyone lose their job. It's just gotten to a point uh, with conversations that I've had that I'm not sure it's fixable. And to, to continue, you know, insanity is the same thing, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I'm not sure that it's great for the franchise to continue on the same path. Do you think – so let me begin by asking this, Taylor. Taylor Tannenbaum is our guest with the ACC Network, formerly of WTHR. Um, do you believe that the the fracture that you're talking about or the lack of trust, does that come from players just simply not seeing results in the approach or does it come from the way that they believe that they were spoken to or addressed in a disrespectful fashion? No, I don't think disrespectful. That is not the vibe I ever got. It's frustration in the fact that this has been years. Look, I know the the retirement of Andrew Luck really screwed things up, but it has been years now. And the communication, whatever has been communicated between the two, uh, is a little bit off. Um, just like a lack of trust. is what The word that I've heard is trust. There's a lack of trust. And whether that be, you know, there's other key players I'm sure that have great relationships with him but the ones that i've spoken to are frustrated um especially with the top down and you know the frank Reich thing is one situation i think everyone has their own opinion on that never really got into that but from the top down there's frustration that hey i, I don't know that i necessarily even want to be here anymore because they feel like there's a lack of trust the bridge of trust i wouldn't say that it's a disrespectful thing it's just the way things have panned out over the last several years Taylor, it's Mark Dykton. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I think this is our first interaction. But um, on Monday Night Countdown, Jim Ursay was quoted as saying that Chris Ballard will be the GM in 2023. So why do you think Ursay is seemingly set on bringing Ballard back despite these fractured relationships? I'm sure he's had to have heard at least whispers that there might be some you know, disagreements with uh, players on the team. So why, why be so dead set on bringing Chris back, do you think? Uh, because it's familiar because you can say one thing now and obviously it can change in the future and with everything else being so unstable that's the one thing you've got right and I do think 
Um, if you have a guy in place already and you're the big boss uh, and you're still able to do what you want to do as the big boss, as Jim Irsay is, as the owner of the team, why would you change that? You know, you do have some creative control in that sense. I think he obviously has a say in a lot of things that happen, so I'm not so sure he wants to change that. And I do think Chris is a good guy. I think at the core of it, I think that he got the short end of the stick with what happened in 2000 and what was it, 19 now? I don't remember what year it was, 2019. Um, it's just been years now since that has happened, and it just feels like it's a hamster wheel. You know, I, I would say at- it's, it's just because, you know, as as the boss and the owner, um, still having creative control with, with a guy like Chris Ballard in place, you don't necessarily want to change that. Taylor, I feel like a couple of things here that you touched on there. Taylor Tannenbaum is our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline. I, I, I do feel like, for Jim Irsay, having a general manager in place that allows for Jim Irsay to still – he's the owner. He can do as he pleases. I, I mean, Absolutely. credit to him there, right? Mm-hmm. But Jim Irsay was a I – have, I have said this theory probably daily for a couple of months now. Jim Irsay was a general man. matter of fact, the last time that the Colts um, – what did I read a stat in terms of their offensive ineptitude? The last time that they went – four straight games without – I can't remember what the stat was, but it was 1993 was the last time they were mm. offensively this inept. 1993 was the last time Jim Irsay was the general manager. He was the GM of the team at that time. They right. did not have a great run when he was the GM. And I feel like that Jim Irsay has always, understandably so, wanted to kind of make good on that. And so, therefore, it's important for him to have a general manager that he can usurp from time to time – with his influence, as opposed to someone like a Bill Pullian that he, you know, kind of sat back and let run the show and that he enjoys being able to have that interaction and that influence. Is that kind of on par with what you're saying? I agree with that. And you're seeing a lot of the statements that are being made. Um, You know, I'm obviously not there anymore, so I keep up as best as I can, but it's very clear he's had a strong hand in every decision that's been made as he should. He's the owner, but uh, stronger maybe than than most you would necessarily see. So I would assume, would Taylor, agree. Taylor Tannenbaum, our guest, you're down in Charlotte now with the ACC Network, but safe to say that because of your time here, four years here, you left here when? At the beginning of the football season? Yeah, right in the middle of, you know, towards the end of training camp. So um, it's been a wild ride watching it from the outside looking in, I'll say that. But you still maintained the kind of professional context and relationships where that allow, in other words, I want people, I want to make clear to people that this isn't you going off something that somebody said to you in July. I mean, you still have, no. you know, and you still are working in a football capacity. Ab- absolutely. You know, I talk to people still from inside the organization. I have conversations. I ask questions too, because, you know, for me, I'm not there anymore. So it's so hard to gauge it when you're not in the locker room uh, and you're not hanging out in the media room and hearing what people are talking about and in the community. So, yes, these are conversations I've had over the last couple of months as it's unraveled, um, recently here. And I want to reiterate, you know, this isn't every key player. I'm not saying every key player on this team wants, wants out and wants to go. What I'm saying is there are relationships with the general manager that when I say fractured, I mean there's a lack of trust. There's a frustration level that to my knowledge has boiled over a bit and it's going to be hard to patch those up, which is my surprise that you continue when you're going to fire the head coach and you're going to 
you know, move people around him and you're going to do all of these other things. That to me is a, a confusing thing to stick with knowing he's the decision maker. There are contracts to be had. There are conversations to be had that may not go the right direction because of how things have panned out over the last few months. So now that you've seen this team from a bit of a distance this year, what's been the biggest head scratcher for you this season? The offensive line? I guess you would say because that is not a conversation we were having heading into the season. It was one of the best in, in the league, the highest paid offensive line. You have all pros on, you know, on the line. And, um, you know, I know the left tackle conversation was real. It was, it was very real, but I don't think we expected it to be this bad. Uh, you expected to have at least maybe some options. They obviously aren't Anthony Costanzo, but uh, their options. And they're certainly better than Fisher, as, as we thought. Um, and then the quarterback play, because to be fair, I was one of the people who was saying during camp, wow, he has so much control of this offense, Matt Ryan. There's just a different level of confidence. You can see it. The ball comes out quicker. Um, it's so accurate. And it was. It was during camp. We were watching with our own two eyes. It's not like we were turned around blindfolded, just you know, going off of, of, of sound. We were watching it with our own two eyes. So that, to me, is wild. I do think it's a byproduct of what's happening up front. Uh, but, but certainly those two things, I think the defense has been outstanding, um, even without Shaq. Um, I know, you know there's a couple of guys hurt right now, but, but they're doing the best that they, they possibly can, I think, with the situation that they have. But up front would be the most confusing thing to me. I just don't know how that fall-off happens. In your opinion, should Jeff Saturday be a candidate for long-term head coach at the end of the season? Hey, I mean, sure. Look, I, you know, I have spoken to some people who actually really like being in the locker room with him because he's a locker room dude. I don't think that's any surprise. He, he's a good guy who, who knows what he's still young. He knows what it's like to be a player. So I don't think that's surprising. At this point, you should put every card on the table, right? If all chips are going to be in, every card should be on the table too. All chips um, are in. We know that. All chips are going to be in. Every card should be on the table, too. And, uh, you know, this sample size shouldn't necessarily – he inherited something that was already broken. So I don't know that's necessarily a good sample size to, to base him off of. Now, how the culture changes internally, I think, is important, too, you know, to, to base him off of. You're going to see how he gets guys to play, period, whether it's scheme or not. How, how people respond to him is an important thing to look at, and I obviously don't see that. Um, from day to day. So sure, why not consider him? You should have every option on the table. Taylor, lastly, since you, you know, you were born and raised in South Florida. Yeah. You you worked in Alabama. Um, then you came to Indianapolis, spent four years here. You're now in Charlotte at the ACC network. So I want your perspective on this aside from, of course, the wonderful people. Tell me the thing about Indianapolis, Indiana, that while you were living here, you didn't necessarily fully appreciate that now that you're gone, you want to let the people of Indianapolis know that they need to take advantage of? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the biggest change for me is because I'm not working in local TV anymore. I'm more of at a network level now that I don't have that sense of community. I would just say these small, these quaintness of Indianapolis still being a big city is something I definitely took for granted just in general like everybody knows each other even though it's still a big city and and truly it is that Hoosier hospitality it's just different and I say it all the time I never thought I'd feel like that but I do miss Indianapolis and I miss the people there so really just the quaintness of it being a big small 
you know, a small, big city and, uh, and just the community of it, you don't really find community like that everywhere. Even though I've been here really only for four or five months, uh, it's just a, a very different vibe. You know, everyone's a transplant. They're in Indy. You have some transplants, but there's still a lot of home cooking, home feel to it. So that's certainly what I do miss. And I do want the Colts to be good, for the record. I'm, you know, I watch every Sunday, and I watch Monday night. And Come on. Hey, is the kid from Wake Forest, the quarterback that's transferring, going to go to Notre Dame? Uh, that is rumor on the street. Pete Thamel reporting that for ESPN. Uh, if I were to put my money on it, I would say that's a great – that's a great get and a uh, a likely destination, so it seems. Uh, and the people in South Bend and Notre Dame fans will absolutely love love Sam Hartman. He is he is the cream of the crop. He works his tail off, um, and and he's. I mean, his numbers speak for itself. He's a leading passer in ACC history when it comes to touchdowns thrown, um, total yards. Uh, passing Philip Rivers for a couple of those, Taj Boyd, uh, so some greats. So they're they're getting a good one in South Bend if that does come to fruition, but that's what it's looking like. Taylor, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we miss you here, but I appreciate the perspective and the insights and uh, give Mitch a pat for us. He, that's Taylor's I, dog, by the way. Who misses you so much. And <laughs> uh, thank you best. for having me on. I appreciate you and uh, – Go Colts, go Pacers, right? All right. Go well, IU, Purdue, all the good stuff, Butler. We'll, we'll tell them. <laughs> and Notre Dame, of course, as well. Taylor, appreciate it. Uh, Taylor Tannenbaum on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Again, uh, ACC Network, part of the ESPN family, and ACC PM, where you can see her work. Alex Golden, uh, Alex Golden easy for me to say, going to join us 13 minutes from now. Talk a little Pacers. It is Kevin and Query. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So Kevin Bowen will be out the rest of the week. He is enjoying his family time in Florida. Hope that you folks are enjoying some family time as well in this holiday season. Mark Dykton capably filling in. Sam Fritz running the big board for us. And Alex Golden now joins us on the Payless Liquors hotline, as he does periodically to talk about the blue and gold and the Indiana Pacers. And Alex, let's begin with this. Uh, Was last night Buddy Heald's finest performance of the year thus far? I think it's got to be up there. Buddy's Buddy's played really awesome this season. So last night, seeing him get going like he did was was pretty special. You know, I was telling Mark this. It feels like to me with Buddy Heald, and Miles Turner I'll put in the same category, but we'll focus on Buddy Heald for now because last night, 28, 6-7 from three-point range, uh, you know, scored in lightning in a bottle type scoring, which is kind of what he does. But – there has been so much talk about Buddy Heald being a trade piece, but it feels to me like that talk has been very one-sided. Alex, I want you to correct me. I don't recall the Pacers necessarily ever saying that Buddy Heald was a piece they were dangling. It felt to me more like 
people were coming to the store to find out if Buddy Heald was available for sale. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think in the latest report from Shamp Sharania, it was uh, mentioned that teams have showed interest in Buddy Heald, but they didn't list any of the teams, and obviously, you know, it didn't say the Pacers were looking to trade him. So I think with that, it is fair to say the Pacers value him, and other teams are really valuing what he's doing with Indiana. I think he's kind of revived his uh, NBA career here in Indiana, and teams are taking notice of that. So it's probably why there is a lot of interest. But, yeah, I haven't heard anything in terms of what the Pacers are thinking long-term. But uh, I think it's kind of easy to read the tea leaves a little bit and see how many guards they have on the roster and kind of make an assumption that, hey, maybe he could be available because of the youth movement that they're, they're wanting to take or that at least they've expressed they were going to take at the beginning of the season. Alex Golden of the Setting the Pace podcast joining us on Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, Alex, I'm one of the guys who likes Buddy Heald a lot. I think he brings a lot around this team, not only leadership, but obviously he can score in bunches when he's on. Uh, he's one of the elder, sta- elder statesmen of the teams at 30 years old, but I think he's got plenty of run left. Is it crazy to think that they could hang on to him? Or is uh, is that just me like talking talking crazy right now? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can look at this. And I, and I think if you're trying to look long-term here, you know the starting shooting guard position is probably going to be Benedict Mather. And we've seen how awesome he's been his rookie season. He's had some downs recently over the past couple of weeks. You know, it's it's part of hitting that rookie wall. But I still think what you've seen from him so far, you have to be really intrigued. So for me personally, I'm, I've got to think long-term with Buddy. And I'm not saying him and Mather can't play together, but I do think that, with how much Buddy likes to score, will that stunt the growth of Benedict Mather? And so in that regard, if you're looking at it from that perspective, it does kind of make sense to, to look to shop him, especially while he's playing so well, because I don't think his value is going to get much higher than it already is. But at the same time, if Buddy would be willing to accept a bench role moving forward once Matherin takes that starting position, I think that could be very beneficial for the Pacers to have a leader like that that can put buckets up, like Jake said, lightning in a bottle, off the bench and kind of be that that steady guide off the bench as well. So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it. But I think long-term, you're wanting to see as much of Halliburton and Mather moving forward as you can. And as great as Buddy's been, I just think the ceiling is higher for what Mather can become than what Buddy is right now. Yeah, I think if he accepted a bench roll, that'd be – I mean, that'd be – bonuses yeah. for the Pacers and everything. Uh, my we, A listener brought it to our uh, – mentioned it with the Buddy Heald talk. He said, how much younger can we get on a roster that is, that is so young <laughs> that if you do flip them for draft picks, I mean, you're getting younger again and you're hoping to replace those points that he's bringing to the table. So is yeah. there some essence there that it's worth keeping around for not only the veteran aspect of it but just the points that he's giving it, if, especially if he accepts a bench role? No, I mean, I think it makes sense to, to want to keep him around, like – They've said nothing but great things about him. You listen to Sacramento fans, they couldn't stand the guy. He kind of requested a trade out there. It was just not a good marriage out there in Sacramento, but he's found a home here in Indiana. I think Rick Carlisle really likes him, and I think his voice has uh, a lot of weight with what the Pacers decide to do moving forward. I just I just think about Buddy Heald, and I, and I think to myself, when we got this guy, a lot of people didn't expect him to be as valuable to the Pacers as he has been. And there's a I think it's, you can make a good case that we're 18 and 17 because of Buddy Hill's play this year. I mean, he's been fantastic for the majority of the, of the season. Even when he hasn't been the go-to guy, I always go back to that game in Golden State when we had a lot of starters out. He was playing with the young guys, and that was the Nimhard game. But when that game got close, that's when Buddy took over with hitting two big threes 
And I think you need that. It's kind of similar to what the Rockets have done with Eric Gordon, their unwillingness to really part with him while everybody thought he was going to be traded the last two seasons. So I can see the Pacers hanging on to him for that. But, yeah, I, I really do like his fit potentially as a as a sixth man because I think if he can accept that role, then the Pacers are in, in, they're in a good place moving forward. Alex Golden is our guest. He's on the Payless Lickers hotline. Alex, um, has Isaiah Jackson fallen out of rotation because of something that other players are doing or because of something he's not? Good question. I would say it's probably more the latter. I think I, I just think he's an okay rebounder. He doesn't really do anything besides dunk the basketball. We really haven't seen him try to stretch the floor. And with the way Carlisle likes to play, spreading the floor, Jalen Smith, while he's not been a great three-point shooter, he is a more competent three-point shooter than Isaiah Jackson, um, has given him the edge. And obviously Jalen Smith was brought here to, to be the starter. That's, how he, that's why he resigned was because of the opportunity to, to get that, uh, that playing time. And they've already kind of taken that starting position away from him because he's been struggling this year. But, you know, Isaiah Jackson, he's a, he's a good defender, but he fouls a lot, which is something he needs to work on. We know that he's a great lob threat, and we know that he has pretty good hands in catching those lobs. And defensively, I mean, he's got upside too. I would love to see more of Isaiah Jackson with Jalen or with Miles just to allow him to play maybe some of the four because those guys can shoot, so you can at least have one guy in the dunker spot. But I just feel like right now, Neesmith has played great and Brissett's played great, and because of their playing so well at the forward and going smaller, that's why Isaiah Jackson's out of the rotation. I think Carlisle has just realized that this team's best chances of winning so far right now has been playing smaller. Hey, Brissett gave him pretty good minutes last night, too. I mean, all of a sudden I looked yeah. up and I'm like, wait a minute, who's got 14? Oh, O'Shea Brissett. And I love Alex yeah. guys that can score. I've always, you know, I had a conversation the other day with – somebody who who worked in the NBA for a long time and you know and this is the kind of stuff where when you talk to people you're like man you realize how nuanced sometimes things are but he said to me he said you know sometimes you need at least 40 percent of your scoring to come from guys that don't have any plays that orchestrate through them so their points are auxiliary and O'Shea Brissett is kind of that guy, right? I mean, maybe Rick Carlisle would disagree mm -hmm. with me, but I don't know that they're running specific sets for O'Shea Brissett. Just when the hot potato comes to him, if it's really, really hot, he kind of knows what to do with it. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I, I think that O'Shea, since he's gotten here to Indiana, back when Bjorken was the coach and, and we brought him up from the G League, he's always been that guy. And that's kind of why fans, I think, were surprised that he wasn't getting playing time early in the season because he wasn't part of the rotation. Now, we know – this is a deep roster, but he's played himself into the rotation. And once again, Rick Carlisle can't get enough of him. Last year he closed as a starter. And I just love the way that he keeps himself engaged and involved because it's probably got to be tough going from ending the season as a starter to the next season, not even being in the 10 man rotation. And I think O'Shaber said has worked his butt off to get to the NBA to, to be a competent NBA player. Honestly, he's the only true wing the Pacers have right now at six foot seven. So, it's one of those things where he needs to play because he allows him to be more versatile. And he just he just is that guy that's going to be able to muck things up a little bit. Uh, his shot has, has fallen well for him. I think that was a concern coming into the league. It's not known as a great three-point shooter, but he's proved that wrong. And 
you know, not afraid to put up a flashy dunk. And, and I, I just really like how he's played, and I'm surprised that they didn't come to uh, an extension agreement with him in the offseason because I really feel like he could have got him for cheap and had him on this team long term. So I, I'm curious what their long-term plans are with him since he's an unrestricted free agent uh, this upcoming summer. But, yeah, I just I've loved how he's fit in so far, and I think when, when O'Shea's on the floor, good things usually tend to happen. He's Alex Golden of the Setting the Pace podcast, joining us on Kevin and Query, 93.5, The Fan. Alex, I feel like at the beginning of the season, and even as recently as a month ago, uh, we were talking about the possibility of both Miles Turner and Buddy Heald being dealt at the trade deadline. Now it seems like both might stay on the team, especially with the rumors that um, you know Miles Turner might be getting a contract extension. Do you think this team will still move one or both of them at the deadline? Or if this team's in the playoff hunt, do you think they don't want to mess up with a good thing? Yeah, this is a really tough question, and and I know I talked with Jake about this on the on the podcast that we did for my for my blue and gold. The one he sang show. on. Uh, it was wonderful. My singing was phenomenal. <laughs> it, it was, and, and it was brought to you by Circuit City, where Ron Artest works. But, uh, <laughs> Thank we'll, you. How Thank dare you. you. How dare you? We're having a good uh, no, conversation. I'm, I'm I'm using this to stall because honestly, it's a really it's a really tough question. I mean, I I think the Pacers are way ahead of schedule in terms of what they expected and what they anticipated this year to be. So. That that kind of does change things, but at the same time, I don't think it necessarily should because if you do keep Miles Turner and extend him, and you have Jalen Smith, and you have Isaiah Jackson, you have Goga, Daniel Tice, you have way too many centers, you're going to have to make some moves. And I think the way they traded up to get Isaiah Jackson, it'd be kind of silly to punt on him so early. And the way they went out to get Jalen Smith, you know, it's just really tough. It just feels like there's a crowded front court. And I'm always curious why certain things leak when they leak. I feel like the reason this information leaked about him potentially getting uh, or being in contract negotiations here with the Pacers or extension talks is because the trade deadline is getting closer, February 9th. We're not that far away from it, believe it or not. And I think this is a way to let the people know that are trying to trade for Miles Turner, like, hey, the Pacers really value him. So it's going to take uh, – um, it's going to be a pretty penny to pay for, for Miles Turner. So I, I feel like they're a 500 team, I, I think – by the end of the season, they'll probably be close to that at this point. It's been 35 games, so you can kind of understand what this team is. But I think you really have to think long and hard about this. If Miles does want to be here, I have no problem with the extension. I think he's fit in pretty well here. While he's not been as great as he was in November, uh, December was – he's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. He's still playing well. I'm not saying he's not playing good, but he's not having the crazy numbers he was having in November, probably the best month of his career. But I just feel like – if you're going to bring him back, what do you do with one of Jalen or Isaiah? I think you got to potentially look at moving one of them, which is crazy to say, but with Turner getting extended, there's just not going to be enough playing time for him. I think that does crowd that front court. And then with Buddy, I kind of already hit on that earlier. So I think there's a chance that one of them is moved. I would predict more likely Miles if he does not want to re-sign, that extent, or re-sign with the Pacers and hit free agency because we've said this from the beginning – they can't lose him for nothing. Miles has said that. So come February 9th, if they can't get a confirmation from him that he'll resign, they have to look to move him. Alex Golden is our guest. Payless Liquors Hotline is where he is right now. You can hear his voice on the Setting the Pace podcast. Alex, a guy that you know you had mentioned the Pacers have kind of arrived early, and I agree with that. I mean, I think they're ahead of schedule. One of the guys that I have really been pleasantly surprised by, and I didn't know a lot about him, but I wanted you to expand upon what you think of his game. Um, 
Aaron Neesmith is one that plays defensively exactly as I think they needed. And he reminds me kind of of what Solomon Hill was and the fact that he can knock down a jumper if it comes his way, but his primary purpose is wing defense. But I feel like they still need another one of him to really cement themselves defensively. Your thoughts? Yeah, I will say this. I I was really excited for Aaron Neesmith coming into the season and then, you know, watching him play in October and the beginning of November, probably all the way up until the, the last week of November, he had really struggled. He had, wasn't hitting his threes. He just kind of seemed like he was out of control and, and didn't really know what his role was. But I think now that he's kind of settled into his role, he's playing with much more confidence and playing better. And I think Rick Carlisle praising him, saying he's exactly what you want from an Indiana Pacer player. He does whatever he's asked of. You're right. They need they need one more guy like that. And I think with him being just six foot five, they are going to need someone that's a little bit taller uh, in the playoffs. To, to guard bigger wings because I do think while he's a great defensive player and arguably their best defender on the team, they still need one more guy like that to really muck things up and really be able to put some pressure on the other team's uh, offense because if you want to play good defense here in Indiana, you're going to need more Aaron Neesmith because some of the defense I've seen from this team, specifically on the perimeter, has been, been, been hard to watch. So he's been awesome uh, the last all of December and the last week of November, I think, the Pacers found themselves a gym in him, and I like your Solomon Hill comparison because he doesn't have to put the ball in the basket to be uh, be content, be satisfied with what's going on. He's just happy uh, to go out there and help his team win, and I think when you can get true team players like that, especially young guys that fit around guys who need the ball, that's, that's something that you can't overlook. Guys that are able to accept their role and know what they can do is huge, but at the same time, come playoff time, he's going to have to be able to knock down threes to be playable because if he's somebody that you don't have to worry about guarding on on, on offense for the Pacers, then that's where it can be problematic. And, and we've seen that before with other teams where it's just like you have a really good defender that can't put the ball in the hoop. So it makes it difficult. But I think right now Aaron Neesmith has been a, a really nice surprise for the Pacers. You know, in the Setting the Pace podcast, and I I mean, I will admit, I mean, I love me some me. So I, I, I would assume that <laughs> – you get a lot of listenership with that, obviously, Alex. You do a great job covering the Pacers. But uh, me, when I was singing Wham! hits on your podcast, <laughs> probably pretty decent numbers turned in just based off that, right? I mean, the reviews, oh, I'm God. sure, were probably pretty good, right? Yeah, I think I think they asked – some people were uh, messaging me saying, hey, can we get Jake on to sing some more songs? <laughs> and I said, maybe we'll do a YouTube live karaoke night with Jake. I'm a terrible singer, but I can sing. George Michael was, was – I loved George Michael, man. So I was okay. happy to sing some George Michael. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not very good at it, though. Anything it to feed I, the I, ego. I, it was fun. You know? I, I appreciated you singing. I mean, I can carry a tune a little bit, but I just wasn't going to do that on there. I didn't want to embarrass myself. Well, for uh, those curious, what it was was you were asking us. We had some fun with it where we were doing it. I loved – uh, the kind of outside-the-box thinking on it, because that's kind of how I am, obviously. You were asking the Pacers roster, if with each player, if they were a Christmas carol, what Christmas carol would they be? So we had fun with that, and people can find it on the Setting the Pace podcast I got, with Alex. I got one more. Alex, the Pacers kind of wrapped the wrapped the year, 2022, with a couple yeah. of tough games, uh, the Cavs tomorrow night, and then uh, New Year's Eve against the Clippers. They get a win in either of those games? Oh, that's a tough one. Cavs are really good. They almost beat them at home, or in Cleveland, I should say. 
I think they'll get. I think they'll get one. I, I say they okay. go one and one in this one. They need to beat the Clippers. I think they got pretty embarrassed by them as well in Los Angeles to start their road trip. So that'd be a nice revenge game there. Especially, I'd like to see Turner have a great game there, especially after Zubac. Almost did he have thirty rebounds or was it twenty nine? I think he was thirty one and twenty nine. So he was one rebound shy of thirty. I think they got to shut him down and uh, get a revenge game there. <laughs> hey, they had a good crowd last night. I mean, I, I was for a for a random Tuesday night. And I realize that probably a lot of people some Christmas gifts that kind of thing. But Alex had a good crowd last night, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't know if it's that the Colts are down or the Pacers are young and rising, but I think people are starting to kind of get into it a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. I think fans are really excited about this team moving forward. They got a ton of likable guys and. They're playing fun basketball and they're winning, you know, much better than it has been the last couple of seasons. And like you said, the Colts being as terrible as they are, it's a breath of fresh air. So I think it's great for the Pacers and it's great for the city to see them rallying around a team that's, uh, you know, really, really ahead of schedule, like I said earlier. I mean, I, I was, I'm kind of shocked right now that they're at where they're at based on what everything we heard from the offseason. But love to see it. And I love that Tyrese Halliburton has really – stepped up and looks like a true all-star, potentially an all-star starter uh, this season. And I think that's a big reason why the Pacers are where they're at today. Alex, we always appreciate you picking up the phone for us. Appreciate the time as always. Thank you. Have a happy new year and we'll talk to you on the other side. All right. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Happy new year to you. Thanks, man. Alex Golden of the Setting the Pace podcast joining us on Kevin and Query. It's time now for Morning Checkdown.